everybody? How are y'all doing? Good. I just want you to know I have a thing where every once in a while, if I don't eat much in a day, I get like lightheaded. So I went and in my attempts to be healthy, bought a gluten-free protein bar and it's disgusting. So I <laughs> just want you to know that. Also, my grandma pointed out to me that last time I preached, I swiped my hair back 15 times. She counted. That's just such a grandma thing to do. Um, but she counted 15 times, and so I went and got my hair cut only because of my grandma. But also, this morning, I was trimming my beard. This is just life updates on me. I just want you to know. It's really important that you know this. I was trimming my beard this morning, and I noticed a gray hair in my beard, and I was so happy. Because Proverbs says gray hair is a crown of wisdom. So now you all know how wise I am. I cut it off. But uh, <laughs> so this morning I'm going to talk to you about, uh, about something. Well, I'm going to talk to you about vulnerability. But first, I just want to tell you a little story of something I used to do when I was younger. I remember back in the day, Cody, the guy leading worship, uh, he, uh, I used to go to his parents' house. Brenda and Dean, and we would go in their basement, they had a ping pong table. And one of the things we used to do is we used to play ping pong, but we played a version of it called Sting Pong. I don't know if you ever heard of it or played it. Basically, it's a version of ping pong that you play the volley, and whenever you lose the volley, the person who lost the volley has to lift their shirt and turn their back, and then the player who made the point gets to hit it into their back as hard as they can, and if they miss their back, I'm pretty sure they lose out on the point. And so you're trying to, it's really, it's really fun, really exciting, but it really hurts. If, and especially it hurts when you know you're going up against a good player and you haven't played very much and you're going to get just wailed on, which is kind of what happened to me. But it's super fun and we're playing and adds a lot of fun and intensity. And there's this moment there where in Sting Pong, you know, you lift your shirt and you're, you're waiting. You can't see anything. There's an element of kind of blindness to it where you're just waiting. Are they going to hit me? Are they not? When are they going to hit the ball? You know, that, that whole thing, the anticipation is usually worse than the actual hit. And so you're waiting, you're waiting, and then boom, it hits you or it doesn't hit you and you're really relieved. And it's, it adds something. It adds this tension to it. And there's something about putting yourself in a situation like that that kind of making yourself vulnerable, you're putting yourself intentionally in this spot. It can be really fun, but pretty scary. And I remember at the end of the games, we would like lift our shirt and compare our welts, and uh, some of them looked pretty good, and then you didn't feel so bad for whining like a little baby. And it was really fun. But have you ever done anything similar to that? Or another thing is paintball. The first time I went paintballing, I remember Cody and I were out at his parents' farm again, and we were, he wanted me to know what it felt like before I went paintballing, because I was going to go paintballing for someone's bachelor party, and, and we went out, and we did the, the Western style, you know, stand back to back, walk 10 paces, turn around and shoot, and if you hit the person, you win, I mean, if you both hit, I guess you both lose, but I remember I had these really, really tight jeans on, really tight because I had been trying to protect myself. I don't know, I thought tight jeans were the way to go. But I've been trying to protect myself, and Cody, and we whip around, and Cody shoots and hits me right in the tight jeans and my, right in my thigh. And I remember it hurt so bad, because it was, my jeans were so tight. <laughs> and it hurt so bad that I was just like, wow, is this what every hit's going to feel like? 
And I went paintballing, and it was nothing like that. And for some reason, that was just a thing to get me really ready, except the one time I was crawling in the brush while I was paintballing, trying to sneak up on somebody, and all of a sudden I heard, like, the tall grass, I go, and one hit me right in the top of the head, right, uh, right above my mask, so that one really hurt, too. But I love paintballing, it's a lot of fun, but when, when you go paintballing, you know you are specifically putting yourself into a situation where you might get hurt, right? You're specifically saying, I'm going to do this because it's fun, and maybe I'm a little bit crazy, but it's fun, so I'm going to do it, but you're doing it intentionally, And so can you think, maybe in your own life, of times that you have intentionally put yourself in a vulnerable position? I think if you really think about it, there's many times you've done it, probably even just recently. But I think that we get to a point, maybe, where we've put ourselves in a vulnerable situation and we find now, maybe through life experience or through bad experiences, we find that When you make yourself vulnerable, it's like you're waiting for the ping pong ball to hit you in the back or you're waiting for the paintball to come out of nowhere and hit you. You're waiting for your vulnerability to blow up in your face. Maybe you've been in a vulnerable situation, you got hurt, and now instead of opening up, you've closed yourself off into those situations. Marriage, that can happen in marriages. Maybe you got married and it didn't end up so well or you're in a relationship and it didn't end up so well. So now instead of opening up, you find yourself guarded Maybe you lost someone important to you. You know, there are so many possible situations in life that we can go through that cause us to shell up, that cause us to turn inward and uh, to not open up anymore. But I want to tell you that God is not your buddy on the other side of the ping pong table waiting to smack you with the ball with that. And I know Cody, you know, Cody and I, we've been making a lot of these update videos, and I told someone this morning that, I, I, I know Cody so well that I can be really ridiculous around him and really embarrassing around him, and Cody loves to embarrass me, so there's that. But God is not the, your buddy on the other side like, oh, finally I get to hit this guy. I've been waiting a long time. He's not that guy. God loves you so much, and he desires to show you love and affection. So this morning, I want to talk to you a little story about someone being vulnerable, it's, a, it's an old story, but it's an important one. So I'm going to talk to you about a man named Abram. Many of, you have, many of you have heard of him, and many of you maybe have not. But in the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, there is a story of this man named Abram. And in Genesis chapter 12, God calls to Abram, By the way, I forgot, I was going to say this right after Laura came up. But we were painting all this white, and so we wanted you to see the difference. That's why we left the blue back there. So we're finishing that this week. That's what it used to look like. (laughs) Um, But uh, we are also going to be looking at painting the whole community room white out there as well. And kind of, you know, my dad was a little against it because he he says, white is so bland. I'm like, yeah, but dad, you get all those car parts out there. My dad is the lead pastor here. You get all those car parts out there, and if we paint it white, then those things will just pop. And he was like, yeah, that sounds pretty good. So, you know, you just got to manipulate a little bit. and It goes a long ways. Anyways, so back to Abram. In chapter 12, God calls to Abram. And I want you to catch this and and, uh, really register it in your mind that Abram was 75 years old when potentially he first heard from God. 75 years old, 
He says, God says to Abram, leave your father's house, go to the place that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. So can you imagine, Abram is kind of an enigma to me because it seems like he doesn't say anything back to God. He just leaves his father's house. And he takes his nephew with him. And uh, he takes his nephew with him and goes, but he just leaves. But wouldn't you think, I mean, my first thought would be like, how's this going to work? I'd have lots of questions for God. You know, how's this going to work? I mean, where should I go? He didn't even tell him where to go. He just told him to leave. And where should I go? How am I going to have kids? My wife and I are way too old to have kids. We've tried before. It doesn't work. And, uh, how, you know, so, but it seems like Abram doesn't say anything. He just goes. He just leaves. And we see God do this. And you talk about someone who is trusting God and vulnerable before God saying, yes, I'm going to do totally everything that's against my culture by leaving my father's house. I'm going to do some wild, crazy things by just leaving, not knowing where I'm going, just going to leave. And uh, yeah, I believe that you'll make me a great nation. That's That's pretty wild faith right there. So he leaves, but he takes his nephew along with him, which shows you that maybe there's a little doubt there. You know, he's not fully separating from his father's house. He's bringing his nephew along. And they go, and then eventually their workers begin to argue between his nephew's people and his people, and they begin to argue, so they separate. It's just classic family, huh? Um, they separate. Abram, a lot, lot, his nephew, gets captured by some men, and so Abram goes to war against them and frees them, and it's a whole deal. But I want you, I'm saying that because I want you to know that between Genesis 12 and chapter 15, where we're going to be focusing, we don't know the time span there. It could have been several years. It could have been quite a while between when God first spoke to Abram and this point we're coming to. It could have been, so imagine you're Abram, 75 years old, thinking the clock is ticking. God, I don't have much time if you're going to make this work. I could die at any time. Plus, I'm old. It's unlikely I'll have kids anyways. And imagine years later, you still haven't heard, you haven't heard anything really back from God. And imagine the doubts, the things like that that are creeping in. So that's important to note here. And it's important to note that between Genesis 12 and 15, God speaks to Abram, but Abram never says anything back. He just kind of does whatever, whatever God says. And this is why chapter 15 is so important. This is how it starts. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. He said, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your, your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, uh, that it's kind of the, the turning point, but, you know, there's always those, but Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. So back in the day, they would have servants, like head servants, and so Eliezer was the head servant, which means if Abram had died, all the inheritance would go to Eliezer, his, his like chief servant. So he says, I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. He said, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look towards heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said, so shall your offspring be. And Abram believed the Lord, 
and it was counted to him as righteousness. So, you know, I used to do a lot more, if you, if you guys have been around for a while, I used to do a lot more singing and leading worship and things up here before I took the position I'm in now. But when you're singing and worship leading, there's something about having a guitar, having an instrument in front of you. You get really used to it. So when you're leading from a guitar, there's something about it. You're like kind of leading the flow of the song. You're, really, you're a part of the, not just the singing, but the musical aspect and the, the, the instrumental aspect of it. And so there is something about it. And I remember when I was doing that a lot, when I used to worship lead a lot and do a lot of those and sing a lot, I would be asked to do funerals and weddings. And so usually you do those to a track and you don't have an instrument with you. And I remember when, when I would get up in front of everybody and do the tracks, the only way you can describe it is you feel naked. You feel like there's just something, something that kind of protects you, even from like the people, like the crowd or something. There's something about it. But you feel like you're missing something. You feel very vulnerable uh, when you're without your instrument. And I know, I know Doc knows that. I know, I'm pretty sure Cody knows that. I don't think I've, have I ever seen Cody sing without an instrument? I don't know if I have. I don't know if I have. He's, he's, he's too afraid to get vulnerable. Uh, <laughs> but I think, I think uh, when it comes to this story in Genesis chapter 15, I think what God was asking Abram to do in this story was he was asking Abram to get naked. He was asking Abram to let down his guard and to be vulnerable. You see how God starts off by talking to him, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be great. And I think that's what he was saying, is that don't worry, you can let your guard down. I've got you. And you know, I think it's just as hard for us as it maybe was for Abram. And maybe that's why he never actually spoke back to God, is because he was maybe a little too concerned about, well, I'm just going to believe. I don't, I don't need to ask any questions. But I love this portion of Scripture because God is specifically telling him to voice his concerns. You know what, Abram? You can be honest with me. And uh, maybe you're struggling with this. And so God wants to hear your concerns. He wants to hear your fears. And I think if you're angry, he wants to hear that. Because I believe he wants to comfort you. I believe he wants to take you past that. And why would God have told Abram not to fear if he wasn't afraid? So I, Abram had to be afraid. Otherwise, God, why would he have said, don't be afraid? So I think in this moment, Abram was doing exactly what God wanted, to, wanted him to do. And that was he was being honest. He was being open. And I think many of us believe we can keep our fears from becoming reality by simply not sharing them. What results, and this is, this is what gives us hope, is the results of this encounter, of this open honesty, is that God not only heard Abram, he was able to encourage Abram, he was able to reaffirm the initial promise. And not only that, if you keep reading past what I read, he tells him specifics about the future of the nation that will be created. So what is holding you back from getting naked before God? What fears are holding you back from being vulnerable? Maybe you're afraid God isn't real and you're afraid to say those words out loud. Like maybe you're just really struggling and you're really struggling with doubts and things like that. And maybe 
you're afraid of another cancer diagnosis. Maybe you're afraid for your marriage. It can be so many things, whatever it is. I believe God wants us to be open and vulnerable with Him. And I think He wants us to bring our burdens directly to Him. I'm trying to think if I should. I told the story in the first service. I'm trying to think if I should tell it again. Um, yeah, sure. Why not? We've got time, right? <laughs> now that you have more comfortable chairs, I can keep you here a lot longer. Uh, but when I was, during COVID, when COVID first struck, you know, we were all at home and things like that. And there was this, we had a dog that, and so for those of you who are listening online, we had this dog that I, I told everybody online that had died. And she was about a year old. And she, it was really weird. We got her home. We were on a trip and we got her home. And we think she ate something. And so she ate something. We're pretty sure she like punctured a lung or something like that because she got home and I noticed she was just being a little weird and her breathing, I could hear her breathing, and we kind of watched her throughout the day and it got, kind of got worse and worse, and then by the time it got like really bad, it was already pretty late, and you know, for those of you who are own pets, you know that the vet, the vet like ER is ridiculously expensive, and if, they, if her lung was punctured, it would probably have been surgery and it would have been so expensive, so we had said, okay, we'll take her right away in the morning and we'll see what's up. So her breathing got worse through the night, eventually to the point where Emma and I had to like separate into different rooms so she wasn't in the bedroom because it was just her breathing was really loud. And uh, I remember, I, remember I, I finally fell asleep. I finally fell asleep. I woke up to Emma kind of calling my name and go to the stairs and she's like, Ethan, and I look up the stairs and there's Winnie dead at the top of the stairs. And she has her mouth open, and there's just a trail of blood coming down the stairs. About six, eight steps, just a big puddles of blood. And so that was kind of dramatic. Like, it was a little intense. And, I, you know, I've been around dogs all my life. I, we grew up, we're kind of a dog family. And Emma's, Emma's mother, she breeds dogs and sells them. And so I've been around dogs. I've been around dogs dying. And it's never really, it's, it's always like a little painful but it's never been like this painful because I felt like there was so much guilt kind of tied to what I did because I felt like, oh, when you're being so annoying, I just let me go to sleep. And then it's like, oh, I didn't know she was going to die in like two hours. And so I felt really guilty. I felt terrible. And she was really young. We had lots of hope. She was kind of our, our baby's dog because they really got along really well. And so we had a lot of, a lot of dreams for that dog and excited to have her a part of the family. And so... It was really, like, I was really distressed about it. Like, I, was, I surprised myself by how distressed I was. And I remember after she died, I think it was the next day, you know, we put her in our garage because we were going to go put her in a field. And, and uh, we put her in our garage, and I remember Emma left to go do something. And I, I, just, I just went, I went into the living room, and I just was like, Lord, I just got to let some of this emotion out. And so I just went before God, and I just wept. I wept for, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes, and I just, I was just sad. And, uh, and so, and I want you to know that it wasn't, I wasn't just crying to cry. I went intentionally, and in my heart and in my mind, I was going before God. Because, you know, he's the comforter, and he's our counselor, and he's, he's, he's our friend. Jesus said he calls us friends. And so, uh, I went before God, and I just said, God, I'm just going to dump all this stuff on you, because I just, I don't know how to deal with it. And... 
he wants all of us to be that way. And we're all struggling with things. You know, Noelle, when she was preaching last week and she said her sister is stage four cancer, it just reminded me, everybody's going through something. Everybody's going through something. And so I was just thinking about the words of Paul in Philippians chapter 4. He says, do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your minds, hearts and minds, as you live in Christ Jesus. For those of you who have been believers for a while, I don't know, you can probably share specific stories about times where you were maybe in a bad situation and you're like outside, if someone was looking at you or, you know, they would have had no peace, they'd have been really worried, but for some reason, you had peace and you don't know why. You just had this like, I'm not, I'm not really worried about it. Even though it's a really big deal, I'm not really worried about it. And uh, that's what Jesus can do. He can give you the peace that passes understanding. It makes no sense. And so we're to be honest with him and tell him all our concerns. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. So be honest with him. Be unguarded. Be naked before him. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 and 10 says, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So we see that being honest and open with God is a real, like, it's, a, it's an avenue for change in our hearts. And also, John goes on to say this, if we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. All of us have sinned. The only person exempt from that sentence right there is Jesus himself. And you see, if we go back a little ways into Genesis chapter 2, we see that God created man and woman. And in, like right at the end of Genesis chapter 2, it says they were both naked and not ashamed. See, they were naked and unashamed before two people. They were naked and unashamed. The first one is God, and the next one was each other. So there are many things that the church has been good at over the years, and one of them is shaming people. Shaming people for all sorts of things. And there are many examples of people who had questions for the church and were met with hostility. And so they turned away from the church. You know, there's Steve Jobs, there's uh, Gandhi had said that I'd be a Christian if it wasn't for all the Christians. Um, and so I think a simple, honest dialogue may have changed the course of their lives and then the course of history. There are many things that we struggle with that maybe we're too ashamed to talk about. We're too ashamed to bring it up. and We don't want to be judged, so we keep it inside. And then that kind of festers, and it kind of eats at us, and it affects our relationships. It affects the people around us. And I can't tell you how many times I've kept things inside because of shame. And I, I can't tell you how many times that there have been times where I should tell Emma something, but I don't want to tell her because I'm ashamed. And then that actually affects my relationship because then I get cranky. And I'm, I'm not really cranky with her. I'm cranky with myself. But I take it out on her. And so there's this weird dynamic of shame and how it works. But I want you to know something that God, sometimes the church has been in the business of shaming people, but God is not in the business of shaming people. Romans 9.33 says this, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling 
So this may be confusing, but he's talking about Jesus. Jesus is a stone of stumbling. He's a stone that, if you think in our culture today, people stumble over the concept of Jesus, over the concept of the cross. They stumble over it. They can't make sense of it. And he is a rock of offense. People are offended by Jesus. They're offended by the cross. So he's a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. There's other versions that say, whoever believes in him will never be put to shame. And Romans 8.1 says this, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God is not in the business of shaming you. He's in the business of encouraging you, of bringing you to new life, of bringing you into new things. And I want you to know something, that you are not meant to go through life alone. Jesus made the church for so many reasons. There's a lot of reasons, but one of them is so that we could support one another, so that we could encourage one another, and we could spur one another on in the faith. So my first point in my sermon of call, uh, that is called Let's Get Naked is that you would be naked before God. My second point is that you would find someone else you can be figuratively naked with. Figuratively. I want you to catch that word figuratively. Uh, <laughs> just as Abram let down his guard before God, we should also find someone else we trust and let down our guard. Someone to keep us accountable. Someone we know will keep confidence. Someone who will listen and pray. And prayer is the most important part because uh, I feel like James 5.16 sums it up that if you confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So if we just confess but we don't pray, we're only doing half of what the Bible is telling us to do. We need to pray for one another. And we all need someone we can be honest with. And just know that, you know, I think all of us kind of have this little bit of a complex uh, that maybe when you see someone up front, maybe when you see that speaker on YouTube, you always think, oh man, they got everything figured out. They've got their life figured out. Man, I bet their spiritual discipline is like way up here and mine is way down here. I'll let you know, it, it's not great. Uh, but um, I think we all do that. We all idolize other people. We all do that. And so, but I want you to know that the person you idolize is just like you. Because Paul said that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's really similar to what John said, in that if you say you have no sin, you've deceived yourself. So, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all struggle, we all fail, we all make mistakes, we all say and do stupid things, and uh, we've all offended God through our thoughts and actions, and I'd be the first to tell you, I'm right there with you. And I said it in the first service, and I'll say it again, I probably messed up just as much, if not more, than most of you, even if you're older. And so... When you say, when you tell someone that you're struggling, know for certain that they struggle too. That they have addictions too. That they have anxiety and fear as well. That they have also made destructive choices. No man is an island and you are not meant to be one. We are in this together. And I don't care if it's your first time here, if it's your first time listening online. Uh, you have found a place to belong with us. You have found people who love you and a God who loves you, a Father who loves you. You know, it's interesting. I was talking to someone after the first service that was new here. They're from Colorado, so I don't think they're coming back, so I feel like I can say the story. Uh, but I was talking to him, and she said that she was a Buddhist for 40 years and just converted to Christianity like this last, like a year ago. And uh, I said, oh, yeah, what's your story? I was like, well, maybe it's too long. She's like, no, it's really short, actually. I had a friend come up to me and say, 
the father, she said, your heavenly father loves you. And she said, it just wham, hit her. And it was just that, she said it was that simple. That's all that the person said. And she said, I, and she just said, I didn't have a great dad. And so that to me was just so impactful. She said, and then I gave my life to Christ. It's like, that's all it took? You know, sometimes we're, we feel like we're really like, I got to work so hard. I got to do all this. I got to do all this. But really all we need to do is listen to the Holy Spirit. Because maybe it's just four words that are going to change somebody's life. So, Cody, can I have you come up? Doesn't Cody do a great job? Isn't Cody just great? We love you, Cody. He's so humble, too. Look at him shaking his head. That is a, that's a, what is it? The motion of humility. Right? Sorry, I'm making you red in the face. <laughs> so, uh, back to, if you don't know me by now, I am easily distracted. My dad was texting me in the first service saying, he sent me a picture, he's in Medora right now camping, and so he sent me a picture of his, motor, of his like camper, just randomly, like right when the service started, and then, and then he texted me, because I made a comment about it, so I think they were listening, I made a comment about it, and then he said, stay focused. It's like, yeah, you're really helping with that. Uh, but now we're gonna, I'm going to go quickly back to the beginning of the message, and I'm going to ask you, and we don't normally do this, but I'm going to ask you to put yourself in a, in a vulnerable situation. What I'd like to have us do is that maybe you're in this place and maybe you feel like you've been disconnected from God. Maybe you're questioning your salvation. Maybe you're, you're just wondering all these things. There's something I want you to know about giving things to God and talking to God through things. I feel like oftentimes we skip that step and we go straight to our friends and our things. And to me, it feels almost like gossip. You know, sometimes when you, you, you hear that, oh, this person said something, and then instead of actually going to them, or, or you're struggling with a choice that somebody made, and instead of going to them, you go to someone else and talk about it. I feel like we do that often in our relationship with God. Instead of going to God first and saying, God, I read this in the Bible, how you wanted to have a genocide of the Amorites, and it makes no sense to me. Why would you do that? Instead of going to God, we go to all our people and our YouTube channels and all that, but God should be our first stop when we're struggling. And we should say, hey God, you know what, I'm really mad, you know, I'm really, I'm really mad that this happened, I'm really sad that this happened, uh, I'm really worried about this. And, uh, and so I want to encourage you that God should be our first stop. And so this morning I'm going to ask that if that's you, Maybe you have been a little angry. Maybe you've been sad. Maybe you've just been struggling. You've been had anxiety. Maybe you're just overwhelmed. And you need to talk to God about it. Maybe that there's an addiction in your life you're too ashamed to bring to God that maybe you haven't brought to God yet. I want to tell you, you're no different than anybody. This is the Genesis story. This is Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, God told them not to eat of the fruit. What do they do? They eat of the fruit. This is classic humanity. The Bible is a story about what it is to be human. Humans make lots of mistakes. And Adam and Eve eat the fruit, and the first thing they do, they realize they're naked. So they try to cover up, and they run away. They try and hide from God. And that is what all of us, our inclination to do, our instinct is to run away. When we make a mistake, it's hard to actually fess up and say, God, I made a mistake. I want to make it right. 
we, we tend to run. So I want to encourage you this morning that let's change that. Instead of running away from God, let's run to him because he's not going to meet you with a ping pong paddle to the face. He's going to meet you with a loving embrace. Yeah, that rhymed. Now you'll remember it, right? Um, so let's not hide. So I'd like to, if that's you, I want to open up this space here in a minute for you to come, and I want you just to think about God, and I want you to think about maybe there are things you're struggling with. Maybe when you get up here, you'll realize there is, are things you have been struggling with, that when the noise of life quiets down, that you may realize, oh, yeah, I have been having a lot of these thoughts late when I lay in bed at night and, and things like that. So I want to open it up, and, and I want you to know that this is so important. There's a story in 1 Samuel about a, a, a woman named Hannah, and Hannah, she struggled because she was childless, and she had wanted a child, and, and back in those days, there was the men would have multiple wives, and so his other wife had plenty of kids, and Hannah didn't have any kids, and she was really distressed about it, and so she went to the temple and she started praying and she started pouring out her heart before God and she was, she was uh, talking, you know, talking kind of in her heart but her lips were moving but no words were coming out and the priest thought she was drunk. So the priest confronted her. He's like, hey, you shouldn't be drinking. Get out of here, basically, is what he said. Um, and she said this, I am a woman troubled in spirit I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before God. And after this outpouring, she, she had children. But it took moment, a moment of vulnerability of her laying all her hopes and dreams on the line, saying, God, you can do something with this. I, and, and her being really sad before God. So I'm going to ask if that's you and you feel like you need to pour out your soul, if you find anything I've talked about that resonates with you, maybe with where you're at, and maybe that's not you. Maybe you're feeling real solid and you're feeling like, you know what, my walk is really good. Life is pretty good right now. That's great. That's awesome. And, uh, but life is, C.S. Lewis calls it the, the law of undulation. Life is always going up and down and up and down. And so um, I'm going to ask if you feel like that's you, that in a minute you'll come forward. And then also, I want to ask that if you're struggling and maybe you've brought it to God and maybe there's something that you just like can't get over and you've brought it to God over and over and over again, I think this is where we as the body come into play, as people to support other people come into play. And so I'm going to ask that the, the, the prayer team, if, if you would come up and... Uh, I'm going to ask that if you're struggling, if that's you and you're in that position, that if you're struggling, you'd come up and you'd find somebody on this prayer team to pray with you and know that maybe you don't trust anybody. Maybe you're new to town. You don't know that many people, but our prayer team up here would love to listen and pray with you and they will keep confidence with you. So can I have you all stand as we close? So again, if you need a space just to pour out your heart before the Lord, we, we do have, wow, where did all our Kleenexes go? I will find Kleenexes. Um, and so, oh yeah, there's some up there. But we have that. If you want to pour out your heart before God, or if you really feel like, man, I've just been missing support from other believers, from another human even, maybe you're not a believer and you just need someone to listen to you, um, 
please come forward. We would love, love, love to pray with you, to listen. And uh, so I'm going to pray, and Cody's going to lead us in a song. And, and if we dim the house lights, if you come up and just seek God, we all need him. And God is the, the one guy, the one person that can truly bring change, that can truly help you to move on if you're stuck. Jesus, we just thank you for this time. We just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are such a real God, that you don't send us, that you don't have us down on this earth just to do things by ourselves, to live life by ourselves, Jesus, but that you went to extreme measures to have a relationship with us, that you went so far just so that we could know you and you could know us. Jesus, we can't thank you enough for that. You're so incredible. And so, Father, I pray, God, for those that are feeling lonely in this place, God, that they, they wouldn't stay in their loneliness, God, but they'd find a way, God, that they'd, they'd come forward and find someone to support them and love them. And God, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would pour out on us. We ask that you would just dump your Holy Spirit on us. God, that you would change us. God, that if we're stuck, you'd help us to move forward. And I pray, God, that if we're in a rut that we don't see, that you would help us to see it. And Lord, I pray that right now, God, for those of us maybe that are struggling and maybe we've just, life has happened, we've kind of put things in the back burner, God, that you would bring to remembrance maybe the things that we really haven't dealt with. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to do whatever you want to do in our lives. To do whatever you want to do, I give you permission to do whatever you want to do in this place this morning. God, use us. We want to be used. We don't just want to be stagnant Christians sitting in our, in our chairs. We want to be used. We want to see people come to know you, God, like we know you. <laughs> to come into that beautiful relationship. That life-changing relationship, the most fulfilling relationship you'd ever imagine. Jesus, we want to be used. So use us, God, and help us, God. Open our eyes to our blind spots. Help us to become more like you, Jesus. So God, I just ask that you'd have your way in us. We thank you so much, Jesus. Cody.